you ever have a this is weird but i don't know why like this has been my thing this morning have you ever had a craving you ever like crave something so much that you know it's not going to go away until you actually get that thing that you're craving all the time that's how i <laughs> basically live my life my stomach rules my life it's very sad <laughs> i i've had like the the craving for this one particular thing for maybe like the past couple of weeks but i haven't done anything about it and then this morning i don't even know what it is there was not a commercial i didn't hear anything or anything i just woke up and i was like today i have to have this <laughs> and it's something simple like what is i it? just i just want to go and get a soft pretzel with cheese dip <gasps> soft pretzels are so good well i mean i'm from i'm from the home of soft pretzels I know. I still get. Um, <laughs> I still get. What, what do you call them? Um, email alerts for the pretzel place that we that we that you brought pretzels from for that oh, la- for that first Zed Head barbecue at Avelino's house. Silly Pretzel Factory. Yeah, I oh, still get emails from them. That's where I'm going when we're done recording. Oh, I'm, I'm, well, that's I'm, a good choice. Yeah, I'm going to Philly Pretzel Factory. I'm getting. Well, I mean, and the other thing is, like, Philly soft pretzels are so cheap. It's like $4 for five pretzels. Are you getting five pretzels? Oh, I'll save some for later. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I will I will absolutely save a couple. I'm not going to eat all five now. <laughs> I'm going to have one, maybe two. And then the other ones are going to sit for, like, a, you can't let them sit for any more than, like, a day or two, though. Then they not kinda... like the uh, not like the stuff your cup peanut butter cup where we ate ours I think for like a month. <laughs> oh yeah, mine took me like two weeks, which was ridiculous. So ridiculous. Um, if you haven't noticed, welcome to another movie swap <laughs> <laughs> where we talk about there's, movies and food. There's there's the other there's the there's the your intro for the week. Um. <laughs> Movies and food. Hey, we said it from the very beginning. This was all about the movies and the little other and whatever else <coughs> oh. derailed conversation <coughs> comes me. with. It, so seems I was singing at a lounge last night. <laughs> <laughs> Too much cigarette smoke. Oh gosh, I hate cigarette smoke. Like I used to be a smoker. Me too. And I hate. Cigarette smoke. I, I walk around it now and I'm just like, oh gosh, it smells so bad. And then if it's raining and I see somebody smoking, I know how bad they're going to smell once they go inside. Cause I don't know if you know that, like, I've just been in the rain smoker smell. It smells like it, it smells like a wet dog that smoked. Like with a hint of old cheese. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> it's really bad. Oh, okay, I've never heard the old cheese part, but I, oh, I can smell it. <laughs> I can smell it. That's how bad that is. And have... being an ex-smoker myself, like, that's how I know, that's how I can smell it. Right, exactly, because we used to smell like that. And now I just look at everybody and I'm like, come on, guys, it's 2023. Let's just, you know, put them away. Don't need cigarettes anymore. If you really need it, go get a vape that smells like bubble gum, please, for the love of God. Yes. <laughs> go get a bubble gum vape. Oh, God. 
man. You're killing your lungs either way. It's, it's, I don't, I look back at it and I'm like, I don't know why I did it. I really, I really don't. Well, I started cause I thought I looked cool. And then you know I kept I, going because <laughs> it was the only time if you ever worked in a restaurant, you know, it is the only time anybody, any manager will give you a break is if you say, I'm going to go smoke a cigarette, you get a five to seven minute break. If you don't smoke, you don't get that break because you have to cover the floor for the smokers. So what do you do? You become a smoker so that you can also get the five to seven minute break. Well, because also if you pretend to smoke just to take the break, you will end up smoking. Exactly. Exactly. So that's why I smoked for so long because I was a server slash bartender for 15 years. So of course I smoked that long and I tried to quit millions of times, but you know, everybody's on break and I know what they're doing. (laughs) It's like that episode of friends with Jennifer Aniston. Yes. Oh my gosh. I totally feel every moment of that episode. (laughs) I totally understand what she's doing. And then Chandler, just by hearing about it, what happens, he starts smoking again because it's just something that happens. Oh, smoking. You know what? Quitting smoking was the hardest thing I ever did in my life. Um, I did it relatively. I don't want to say it was easy because it was not easy. Um, I quit cold Turkey and I'll tell you, I'll freely admit this because when I quit smoking, I also quit drinking and I quit drinking coffee because they were crutches. Not anymore. (laughs) No, they were, they were two things. They were two things that I've, I felt like went hand in hand. Like anytime I drank, I wanted to smoke. Anytime I had coffee, I wanted to smoke. Mm -hmm. So I had to give up everything that made me want to smoke. Um, And I can tell you giving up cigarettes, coffee, and alcohol for a good year and a half. I was a prick. Not going <laughs> to lie. Not going to lie at all. I was a total prick. I was miserable. I hated people. I hated what going did, out. What did you take up first? Uh, oh, you, what did I take up first? Once I started, what did you again? go back to first? Yeah. Coffee. Coffee. Yeah. Yeah. I gave up caffeine for a year and a half. And then I realized at the end of the school year last year, I wasn't going to survive next school year if I didn't start putting caffeine back in my life. So (laughs) now I drink a half of a half caffeinated cup of coffee every morning. And then that gives me like, gives my brain permission to have a Diet Coke (laughs) at about two o'clock if I really need it. (laughs) Your brain is like, okay, she turned the ignition. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been started. Like my anxiety went away when I stopped caffeine, but at the same time, like I was dragging every day. And that was a um, year and a half later. Now that we're on caffeine, uh, I tried something new last night. Uh, I tried. So Little Caesars has their own. You know how like all these different sodas try different flavors and, and such. Little Caesars. Like Sonic. Has- yeah, but Little Caesars has their own exclusive new flavor with Pepsi. Of course they do. <clears throat> what is it? The the pe- pizza Pepsi? No, it's Pepsi Pineapple. Oh. I tried it last night. Um, It's been sitting in my fridge for over a week. I finally tried it last night. Wait. As a can, right? It's been yes. sitting in your... Okay. Yes. Yeah, it's a can. 
No, they just poured it into a, a little sippy cup. I've been setting it in my fridge for like. You a week. said Little Caesars, man. I don't know. I don't know if you went and got a <laughs> fountain drink and just said, I'm going to drink you later in my tummy. <laughs> no, it's only available in cans. Um, I tried it last night. It was okay. Um, I love little, pineapple. little sweeter than I, I'm used to for a soda. Pepsi has no flavor to me. So adding any flavor into Pepsi is a good idea. Oh, I'm totally a Coke drinker over Pepsi. Yeah. Diet Coke for life. Uh, Coke vanilla for life for me. See, vanilla. Coke. people always wonder why I'm Diet Coke for life. And it's my dad used to drink it like he would drink it like it was his job. And so I grew up on Diet Coke, not on Coke. I never, ha- I never had Coca-Cola until I think I tasted it in my teens or something like that. And I was like, what? Really? Wow. Yeah. I don't know why. I would, I would rather drink Diet Coke Zero than anything Pepsi puts out. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather drink, I'd, I'd rather drink Mountain Dew than Pepsi. I love Mountain Dew, so Blah. that's that's not a bad thing for me. I'd rather drink. Oh crap! What's the hell? What is the name of the Fresca? Yeah. Uh, I don't knock Fresca. My whole house loves Fresca. You mean grapefruit flavored embalming fluid? Listen, I can't have grapefruit. <laughs> I can't have grapefruit because I'm on medication that forbids me from having grapefruit. But uh, the men in my house, my son and and my uh, husband, they get the little cans of Fresca, and that's like that's like a big treat <laughs> in my house. <laughs> but I mean, I would rather drink Fresca than anything Pepsi puts out. Yeah, I I hate Pepsi. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Pepsi people. If you're listening to this weird podcast, <laughs> I'm sorry. The, o- the only the only Pepsi, and the sad part is that there is somebody in the Z Head group that I believe works for Pepsi. <laughs> so well. if they're listening, I apologize. Um, the only Pepsi product I can tolerate is Wild Cherry Pepsi. Does I can, Mug I can Root Beer that. is Mug Root Beer Pepsi? Um, because if it is. I love mug root beer. I love root beer. I never liked root beer until I got pregnant. A root beer is Pepsi. Yeah. Okay. Then I'll I can drink. drink I can drink I that like too. Mug, I like mug root beer a lot. That's the best root beer to put in a root beer flute. Um, mm, no, Barks is pretty good. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say I, I would go with Barks. And Virgil's root beer. Have you ever had Virgil's root beer? Comes in um, bottles. I've had bottles. It's been a long time. Um, There's a, we are so off topic right now. Um, You started it. I know. Who have craving for pretzels? There's a root beer. Oh, shit. Um, I can't think of it now. Hank's. Hank's root beer is really good too. Okay. I'm going to write that down. Hank's root beer. Hank's is from Philly. Ah, I guess I got to go to Philly. Mm Hmm. I don't know if you can find it outside of Philly or not. Well, Maybe. good thing I love Philly, so that's good. That's true. Yeah, I do. I love me some Philly. Let's uh, let's talk some movies. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's oh, is do that, that. Is that what we're here for? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why we're here. <laughs> um. So, I think it's my week to go first. To talk about my homework. Um, my homework yeah. from you or your daughter, rather, 
Yes, from Danny. <laughs> from Danny. Danny. Danny was outraged you hadn't seen this movie. Um, was it was the Tomorrow War? Yes, with Chris Pat, Chris Pratt, uh, of Rav- Ivan Av- Strahovski, uh, from 2021. Uh, it was an Amazon original movie. Well, Yvonne Strahovski is also from Handmaid's Tale for people that watch Handmaid's Tale. She's Serena Joy. She's also Sarah Walker from Chuck. That's how I know her, like Uh, well before Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, but she's famous right now, I think, for Handmaid's Tale. That's that's totally fine, but she'll always be Sarah Walker to me. Um, And J.K. Simmons, who I did not know was in this movie, until He's I started watching great. it. He is great in All this right. movie. So let me start with this. Oh, and Dunstan is in the movie too. Yes. <laughs> I don't know his real name, but Dunstan from New from New Girl. Anybody that's watched New Girl, he's uh, Winston's partner that can't seem to grip onto anything. And he's a total fool of a cop. Oh, wait, who? Oh, yeah. Um, it, it, wait. Isn't that Mara? Marilyn Rice Cub? Rice Cub? No, who was Dunstan's partner in New Girl? I don't remember. Was Winston? For Winston's that- not Winston's not in this movie. No, 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 no. Dunstan. Yeah. Dunstan who- was his name from New Girl. <sighs> Winston in New Girl was a cop. No, I, I remember that. I don't remember his partner. His partner was Allie at first, who he, who ended up being his girlfriend. Yes. And then they stopped being partners for a little bit because Winston had feelings for Allie. And he got this new partner named Dunstan, who had night blindness. And he was a night cop. And he never... Oh, yes. Yeah. So, uh, that's Sam Richardson is the actor. There you go. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I love him. I thought he was fantastic in the Tomorrow War. Um, so I want to start by saying this. Danny was outraged that I did not see this movie. <laughs> Correct. Uh, by the end of this movie, I was also outraged that it took me this long to watch this movie. Because it's awesome. Um, and I, when I posted about it on Facebook that I was watching it, I had a number of people like commenting like, oh, this movie's great. Like our friend Steve Brown, who is huge because he's ex-military, was is huge into war movies. And yeah. he was even he even he was saying, like, oh, this is one of my top five favorite war movies. I'm like, really? Okay, like that's high praise. Yeah. <clears throat> I will freely admit that it took me a little bit to get into it. Like I was I was trying to wrap my head around the whole concept of everything that was happening. So for maybe like the first 15 to 20 minutes. I'm like, uh, like, I don't know if I'm going to get into this because Kristen knows how big of a Back to the Future fan I am. So like when it comes to like time travel movies, I'm very picky. I don't know if I'm buying this whole concept. Like if they send somebody from the present to the future and they die there, doesn't that change the future? No, they explain it really well. I I know. I'm getting to it. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I'm getting to that. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) I'll just let you talk. (laughs) So... Like, uh, like this is how my brain works when I'm watching time travel movies. Like, no, this is creating paradoxes. The future is changing constantly if, the, if this is the system that they're using so it doesn't work. So for like the first 15 to 20 minutes as I'm trying to like understand the concept and everything, I'm like, I, I don't know if I'm going to be into this. And then by the end of the movie, 
I remember like by the very end of the movie, the moment the credits started rolling, my and my first thought was, holy shit, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're right. They do eventually start to explain yeah. how everything works. They're only pull it the you're only qualified to go if you're no longer alive by the time that they're sending you to so you can't be alive in two different timelines at one time what a but, mind trip but it still doesn't mean the future can't change by sending people right um which is still kind of a little bit of is still kind of paradoxical because that part is not explained so let's just say i mean unless this is just something that's you're supposed to understand and that in addition to your death being at a certain point, maybe also like they also look into, well, are you going to father any more children, mm. you know, between now and then? And if you are, then you're not eligible to go because that will change the future. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not something that they explained, but that's something that I thought of. It's like, well, what if Chris Pratt was meant to have another kid between now and then? But they would have that information. That's what I mean. And right. maybe it's supposed to, you're just supposed to kind of lump that in mm-hmm. with like the death and all that. Well, because stuff. you learn that he wasn't really like, he wasn't really there for his family because he was always trying to like get his big break or whatever and, and into the private sector like he was trying to do over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. So it seems that he was an absent father. And he, I, I, he was going to become an absent father. Right. And at least like the good part about this movie, I think, is that by the end of the movie, you realize that Chris Pratt's character, whose name I am forgetting. um, He has uh, Dan Forrester. Thank you, Dan Forrester. Thank you. Um, He um, he has completely changed his life, seeing his daughter as an adult, seeing how she turned out, saving the world. Um, You know, he gave his father a second chance. He gave his family, his family gave him a second chance. Like he changed the course of his life, which is wonderful because with, with the tomorrow war kind of taken out of the future, anything is possible. Well, so I was, because this is a time travel movie and I always find them very trippy. Like I was constantly making theories. Like I totally called Avon Strahovski being his daughter. Like that was, that was a very easy call for me um i did not call it was not an easy call for me <laughs> oh i was i totally called that before that happened like the moment i saw her and the way they were working together i'm like oh like the time like time wise it's 30 years later oh that's totally his daughter like that's gonna be the big twist and it was um i was not expecting feeling emotional during some of their conversations um, especially where she tells him everything that she knows, like how he, you know, by like my ninth birthday, you and mom were separated, Yeah, you know, by my 16th birthday. And then on my 16th birthday, you know, like that was, I was in the hospital. I was by your side when you died like that. Like they tried to keep me out of the room. I was like, why am I getting choked up at this? Like, this is crazy. Because they had really good father-daughter chemistry for being the same exact age as right. each other. <laughs> I thought about that, too. I was like, is this weird for her to call him dad? But like, it worked, I right? I know they're actors, but it's, it's, it's kind of weird. No, it totally worked. It absolutely totally worked. And J.K. Um, Simmons, like, let's talk about his character for a second. Cool. 
his character. Um, so again, you want to talk about like emotional beats in the movie and emotional moments, that fight scene where it's the two of them taking on the female yes. spike at the end was badass. Yes. And the moment when his father stood up and then cut his hand to kind of lure him in and he's apologizing to him, like, mm-hmm. oh my God, like he's going to I'm getting emotional just himself. thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like Pratt just jumps in from Dan Forrester, jumps in from the side and throws him off and he saves his dad. And then he introduces his dad to his daughter at yes. the end of the movie. I'm like, this is like, yeah, I, I God, it was so good. Um, and and I was and again, going back to like how I was making predictions, like when they have that whole conversation about like how he becomes the absentee, she admits like he becomes the absentee father. Mm-hmm. He moves out um, and then he dies like, you know, at, on her 16th birthday. I'm starting to think and I'm like why would he do this? Like, why would he become an absentee father? Like he was so like in, like he adored his daughter, adored his wife. Like, why would this happen? And then I started thinking, I'm like, Oh, he's going to see her die. He's going to watch his daughter die and it's going to destroy him. And he's never going to recover from it. Mm. And I honestly think that was why he became the absentee father. I think it probably was because he returned from the war. He had post-traumatic stress. He witnessed his daughter die and he never recovered. <clears throat> However, the fact that they came up with the weapon, with the enzyme, mm. changed that. Mm-hmm. When he realized he can make the war never even happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That changes everything. Because now he doesn't have to witness his daughter die. He right. saves his... He saves... And and that's the thing, like, that's one of the key elements about Dan's character that I really loved is that he didn't do this to save, <clears throat> excuse me, he didn't do this to save the world. He did it to save his daughter. Mm-hmm. But he also, I mean, you get that sense of, of him in the first, like, you know, 20 minutes of the movie when they're having the party and they see him on the phone and stuff like that. He is trying to make his mark post military he is trying to get into the private sector he has these ideas he's obviously a very brilliant man but he's not being taken seriously and i think that while yes he was saving his daughter it was also the fact that he also got to make his mark on the world that he has wanted to make so he got to that self-fulfillment that i think he needed and he also at the same time got to save his family and that is you know, not only his family, but his father, he saved his relationship with his father. He saved his relationship with his wife. He saved his relationship with his daughter. Like that to me is huge. I, I see it a little differently. I, yeah. the whole, I get what you're saying about like how he wanted to go into the private sector and he couldn't do it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I realized them throwing that into the movie was very clearly a setup for his character. Like it had mm. to add that <clears throat> man. Sorry. Um, it had to add that element to his character. I didn't see that though. I, 
I saw that by the end of the movie, he realized that wasn't what was important. It was his family that was important. And that's why everything that he did was for the sake of his family. He fixed it. Like you said, he fixed his relationship with his father. He shifted his priorities. Yeah. And yeah, I, the whole going into the private sector was no longer important to him. It was more about his family being there for them in that moment and saving the future for his family, which again, Mm -hmm goes back to the point that I made earlier about his character that I love the fact that he didn't do it to save the world. I mean, yes, that was obviously part of the plan. That's mm-hmm. why he brought other people into it to help, you know, to help fulfill this plan. But the main point, the main objective was to save his daughter's life. Right. So that yeah. he didn't have to watch he so that she didn't have to die. Right. Right. That's how I saw it play out. Yeah, no, that's that's beautiful. I love I love the movie. I think that um it correct me if I'm wrong, but you're kind of dropped into the movie pretty quickly, right? It's them oh, yeah. dropping out of the helicopter and onto the rooftop, right? And you're just sitting there going, "What?" Well, the open the opening of the movie is them traveling through time. Is the joke. Right. Right. And then it goes back to the past to kind right. of explain how you got to this point. And then you get to that point and you realize something went wrong and they're not <laughs> five feet off the ground like they're supposed to be. They're like a hundred feet off the yeah. ground. And like 80% of the people that just jumped are plummeting to their deaths. Yeah. Yeah. And it's only it's, a- um, it's only like 10 to 15 people that actually survive by landing in a rooftop pool. Yeah, it's a frightening beginning to the movie because you just sit there and you're like, oh, no, what are we watching? (laughs) (laughs) Um, There were a number of different characters that I loved. Obviously, Chris Pratt and J.K. Simmons. I loved Um, Betty Gilpin. A very, a very jacked J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons, he is one of those actors. I lump him in the same regard of this is very high praise. I I lump him in the same regard of John Lithgow and mm. Tom and Tom Hanks. Meaning I don't think there's a movie of theirs I won't watch. Mm, okay. And and I don't think and in the same regard of John Lithgow cuz Tom Hanks has definitely done some movies that are not great. Um but he's He's at like a 90 per, 90 10 percentage. So he's, he's still doing American very well. Treasure. Oh, absolutely. He's still doing very well. But when you do we protect that many Tom movies, Hanks at all costs, <laughs> when you're doing that, when you've done that many movies, you're bound to have some stinkers. Um, John Lithgow, on the other hand, I can't think of one bad movie that man has ever done. I honestly can't. He's Trinity. Yeah. But I lump J.K. Simmons in with those two because I will watch anything J.K. Simmons has done, and I really can't think of a bad movie J.K. Simmons has done. There might be. I just can't think of it off the top of my head right now. Yeah. No, he's great. He is. He's great. He's great in this movie. He's, um, He's perfect in this movie. Somehow they figured out the perfect role that he was always meant to play. Because this this role, I, I can't see anybody else playing Chris Pratt's father or Dan Forster's pro- father in this in this particular movie. Have you? So I've heard rumor that there's a possibility of a sequel. 
Um, How? I don't know. Um, I could be wrong. Maybe I'm thinking of something else that, that Chris Pratt has done um, other than the Guardians movie. Um, I'm actually going to look it up right now and see if there is a... Uh... Ugh. I still need you to edit Guardians 3 for me so I can watch it again. I can't. I can't. I can't do uh, it. As of April 8th, 2023, uh, uh Chris McKay, the director, brings hope to the fans after years of silence for the Tomorrow War 2. But how? What is the story that they're going to tell? Uh, I don't know. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't know. It just says director Chris McKay, is Chris McKay has finally broken his silence on what's going on with the long-awaited second part of the franchise. Second uh, part? There's a, I don't... Okay, sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, and he's, he's quoted. I'm reading this for the first time, so... Uh, because they released it worldwide on the same day, same day as what? Uh, literally, they re- oh, around the world, it was released on the same day everywhere. Okay, uh, literally, they released it around the world. I still get DMs from people from India and Brazil and people who are discovering it who love the movie and love the characters and stuff like that. Ultimately, it was a really great experience, but it was one of those things where, of course, you're making a movie for the theaters. And then the movie was done, and they were like, no, we're going to put it up on a streamer. It was a little bit of a hard pill to swallow because it see- because I'd seen it in theaters, and I'd seen how it played. And still to this day, this has nothing about the sequel. Yeah, but they should release it into the theaters. That would be fun. Release it like in Dolby. Oh, okay. Here we go. The story is set in the near future in which humanity is losing a war against invading aliens. Turn the tide. Uh, it's, uh, man is recruited. <laughs> Turn blah, the blah, tide. Blah, blah, blah. blah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the past, McKay has expressed that he would like the sequel to be able to expand the world of time travel. So surely that will be the main focus of the second part. Oh. I, I don't know. Expanding the world seems to me that it'll be a whole new cast. It won't. They won't revisit the same family. Yeah, but I mean, how do you still do that unless this is other stories from the war before it's reversed? I would either make like an extended version or a director's cut and put it in theaters. I mean, look, how many times did John Connor stop the war in Terminator? Too many. Uh, yeah, but Terminator 2 is one of the best freaking action uh, It is the had. best. Terminator 1 <laughs> shouldn't even be in the same conversation. But I mean, like, if, and that's a whole, you know, war in the future, time travel to try and stop it kind of agenda. If they can keep making franchise, making movies to that franchise, and where even as a prime example, the second one is better than the first. Yeah. I would yeah, not put they've anything already past. neutralized. They neutralized that alien threat. So it would have to be a completely new threat or oh that's a good possibility yeah it could be a new threat i don't yeah or the aliens return or it turns into like minority report well i mean look at what they did with independence day independence day i didn't watch the sequel oh really yeah it's not bad as a huge fan of the first one it wasn't nearly as good but it's not bad but will Um, smith's not in it no he's not yeah, see, that's not Independence Day to me. Is Jeff Goldblum in it? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Every, all, well, all the, the only original cast member who did not come back is Will Smith. And it wasn't because of lack of interest. It was scheduling conflicts. He wasn't I'm able sorry, to I'm sorry, but back. you wait for Will Smith and then you make the movie. You don't <laughs> just say, I'm sorry, our star 
as having scheduling conflicts. No, 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 um, no, no. I'm sorry, no. but when you have a cast of 25 people, you no. don't wait for one. Yeah, you That's- wait for Will Smith. You wait for Will Smith and you wait for Go- Jeff Goldblum because those two are the two that made that movie what it is. <laughs> All right. But regardless. Oh, you know I'm right. Regardless. If we're not point- going to wait for Harry Connick Jr., but we're definitely going to wait for wait- Will Smith. You'd be waiting a long time because his character dies in the first one. But that, But I'm just making a point. You can't no, but I but from Hollywood's point of view, I get your point. But from Hollywood's point of view, you can't wait for one person's schedule to clear when you've already cleared the other twenty-four. Yes, you do. Like because they'd then, wait for Tom Cruise. They because, would wait for Tom Cruise. Because then that's a good point. It's a very good point. Oh my gosh, I shut you up. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to make Mission Impossible without Ethan Hunt just because it's yes, scheduling. But, Ethan, but Ethan Hunt is the star of the show. Will Smith was not. Yes, he was. No, he, no, he wasn't. Yes, yes, no. he one hundred percent. Hillard, was. Hillard was a star. He was not the star. Yes, he was no, the he star. Wasn't. That no. movie made Will Smith. It, it made I, him. I'm not disagreeing with you that it made his career, but he was no, he was not a big star before that movie. Therefore, when he was brought into that movie, he was not the draw of the movie. He became a draw after that movie. Who was the draw of the movie? The whole cast. That was an ensemble cast movie. That was okay, not. Okay, well, they need their ensemble not, back. Listen, you're not going to, to I'm not backing down they, from this. You wait for not, Will Smith. You wait for Will not Smith. Bring, they did not say, oh, get me Will Smith for yeah, this Yeah, get me Will no. Smith. He didn't have that kind of a draw before Independence Day. He had it because of Independence Day. Well, okay. So now he has it, what, 20 years later? It's time. But again, you make a, you make a sequel. You make a sequel to a movie that was an ensemble cast. You do the same thing with the sequel. It is an ensemble cast. No. And they did the proper thing rather than they did not recast Hillard. He is written out of the story because you can't replace Will Smith in that role. You can shake your head all you want. Anyway. The point, I was, <laughs> the point I was trying to make is that for that movie, they set it up that the aliens return because before they were defeated in the first movie, they sent out a distress signal. And it took that long for them to come to Earth. Ah, uh, uh, so you think that you could have the same logic applied? This to could be the War. same kind of thing is like maybe something happens and that these because they say in the Tomorrow War that this was a crash landing. They were not meant to land on Earth. They, they so maybe when them. they woke them all up, something happens and something it alerts, triggers, and they That's come. Believable. So rather than having been there the whole time, now they actually are coming to Earth at that, that time. Be... So the war still happens, but now the only thing you changed is that they weren't there the whole time. Now they actually are arriving. But by that logic, if that actually happens and they have the time traveling technology, that means that they would just come immediately after that war ended, right? I mean, it's time Um, travel. No, because if everything, who's to say everything still doesn't play out the same exact way? Because the only thing you changed was that they weren't there the whole time is that they arrived there. So the whole war still plays out the same, meaning everything that just played out actually still happens, including 
that time antenna or whatever it is being destroyed so that time travel is not available anymore until they're able to rebuild it. Got it. Sorry. I just, I was watching Endgame last night. So all I can hear is Paul Rudd saying time heist in the back of my head. (laughs) So wait, you're telling me back to the future was bullshit? (laughs) Hot tub time machine. Back to the future. (laughs) Don Cheadle and, uh, Paul Rudd in that scene where they're just naming off time traveling movies is one of my favorite parts. But see that part right there, that's my most relatable part of the movie because that's (laughs) me. I'm the person that while Tony Stark was talking about a time like time travel and all this stuff, I'm the person that would be there be like, wait, back to the future, hot tub time machine, Terminator. Like, are we not paying attention to pop culture? Like that's how I would be. <laughs> and then, is it is it Tony Stark or is it Bruce Banner that says, "Are we really basing all of our science here on movies?" <laughs> I think it's Bruce. <laughs> yeah, like that. That's how. That's how I would be in that situation. Um, but getting back to the movie, yeah the the special effects were great. The creatures were incredibly uh, intense. Um, what were they called? Spikes. Oh, they were I think frightening. They were yeah. Um. I was surprised I, that my kids loved it as much as they did just because I thought that they were frightening. I lo- and I loved the element too. Like they were asking like Nora, which is played by Marilyn Ricecab, who I, I love. Um, uh, she's a fantastic comedian. Um, I love the fact that like, well, wouldn't you think she says like, well, wouldn't you think they'd show us pictures so they know, so we know what to expect. And Edwin Hodge's character uh, Dor- I think his name was Dorian, um, the guy that did like five tours or whatever. I loved um, him. Um, like he's the one that said like, no, like, and I'm paraphrasing, but we don't, they didn't do that because once you see what you're up against, you're not going to want to face them. That's true. So they, so they kind of throw you right into the mix. His character, I initially thought was a total dick and you're meant to feel that way. He does a very good job. Until you get his backstory. Yes. And you realize he's dead from cancer in six months. That's why he's doing this. I'm going out on my own terms. I'm not letting cancer dictate my life. And the way that he chooses to go out was beautiful and perfectly timed. Yep. Sacrificial. It was fantastic. It was for the greater good. Went out on his own terms. He was, yeah. By the end of the movie- by the end of the movie, his character was great. Loved his character. Yeah. Like you get emotional when he finally dies. <clears throat> yeah. And I, I, your I love- gravelly voice has gotten into my voice now. <laughs> like I have I've turned off my microphone to cough so many times. I know. And I didn't, which is the sad part. Um, I, lo- I love the fact, too, that um, uh, Dan and Charlie kind of have that moment right before he goes and he meets his daughter. Um, oh, he goes to talk to her and he, you know, that where they're called. Oh, no, it is before he meets her. That's right. Um, and he's like, I'm just going to, you know, Charlie's so adamant that he's not going to survive. He's not going to die or he's going to die. And Dan's so comforting. He's like, no, he's like, you've got this. And he turns to Dorian. And he's like, just take care of him for me. And then he walks off. And then Dorian and Charlie have that moment. He's like, so he's like, so you're going to look after me? He's like, nope. And he walks away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sam Richardson, by the way, too, I just remembered is also um, uh, Edwin Akufu from Ted Lasso. 
gosh, that's true. Duh. Yep. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. Yeah, he's a dick in that one. Oh, he's he's so childish, but it's like it's a brilliant character. Um Yeah. I do like that actor a lot. Was he in Veep? I never watched Veep, so I don't know. No, he was. He was in Veep. He played a constitutional expert. He was an, a lawyer ec- with, and he had an expert in constitutional law. And I remember he was like their ace in the hole on the on uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus's staff, and they just never utilized him. I'm, and it was the most frustrating part of that show. Yeah, I'm looking now. He played somebody named Richard Splett. Split, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I like that actor. Every time Sam he pops up, Sam Richardson has been in a ton of stuff. He's a he's, good character actor. Yeah, he's a great character actor. Um, but yeah, I summed it up. I thought Tomorrow War was fantastic. I, I'm so glad. I again, I did not know if I would, if I was going to enjoy it. I knew the premise of the movie going into it. That first t- 15, 20 minutes, I was like, uh, I don't know. If I'm going to be able to get around, like that's how I felt about Scott Pilgrim, I get it. (laughs) The the paradox stuff, like I don't know. I really like. I want to enjoy this movie because I like Chris Chris Pratt. I love J.K. Simmons, but like I and Avonstrahovsky, I love. I'm like, I don't know. And then by the end of the movie, I was like, Holy shit, that was awesome! You just want to watch it again? (laughs) Oh, I plan to watch it again at some point. My kids watched it. I think every day for a good six months. Jeez. No, it was one of those movies where we'd come downstairs on a Saturday morning and they're watching it. I'd, <laughs> I'd come home from work and they've done their homework and, oh, yep, they're watching it. Oh, they have friends over tonight? Oh, what are you guys going to do? We're going to watch Tomorrow War. <laughs> Perfect. It was on my television more than Christmas Chronicles was, <laughs> oh, and that geez. is saying something. <laughs> That's a great movie, too. Yes, well, you can burn out on those movies. I promise you, you can. Oh. Trust me, it's one of the reasons why I I hate the fact I a movie I used to love as a child was a Christmas story. And now I'm it's kind of it's kind of a bitter pill to swallow now to swallow now because TNT plays it 24, 24 hours, hours a day. And then TBS started doing the same thing with Elf and I'm like I will not watch it. I was like cuz I still love that movie. I will not let TBS ruin it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I get it. I, I, I get the whole, like, you can burn out on particular movies. Yeah. Because I, I still haven't recovered from A Christmas Story, and it sucks because I loved that movie as a kid. That's, yeah, that that's a lot of different movies. Frozen was the first one that I think we all burnt out on once we started having kids. Understandable. Oh, my gosh, Frozen. All the time. And Oliver and Company, which was my favorite movie as a kid. I my love Oliver and Company. My favorite movie as a kid. And it was on It was on three times a day for like six months. I uh, couldn't <clears throat> do it. Oliver and Company is uh, probably one of my top five favorite animated Disney movies. I it's amazing. Love that movie. It sucked when I burnt out <laughs> on it. When I saw it and I was like, turn that shit off right now. I can't do it anymore um but speaking of animals like that transition yes i did um you had homework as well we so did now we I've, had I've, I've talked about mine Let's we talk had about cameron crows we bought a zoo uh starring matt damon and scar joe uh scarlett johansson um and other people Elle fanning and patrick um, fugit and thomas 
Thomas Hayden Church. Church. Thomas Hayden Church. Um, yeah. So we went into it and um, I told the kids, I was like, yeah, we're all going to watch it. And the kids get really excited when Mr. Ben uh, <laughs> gives us an assignment. Um, and I'll just tell you, at the end of the movie, both of my kids sit up and they look at me and they go, that was my favorite one yet. Yay! Yeah. So we really, <laughs> really, really liked it a lot. That's a movie that I would want a sequel. I would want a sequel really bad well, to the, the movie. One- the one thing I didn't tell you when I gave you this is that it is based on a actual story. It's based oh, on yeah. an actual zoo that still runs to this day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah. no. We well, don't worry. We did all the trivia afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> and in the beginning of the movie, you know, they say that it's a true story. Um, I think that it is a total departure role for Matt Damon. I've never seen him do anything like it before, but I think that he was perfect for the role. Perfect. I don't think anybody else could have done it. And I saw that in the trivia that Tom Cruise was um, was considered oh, for I'm so, the role. I'm so glad he didn't get the role. Me too, because <laughs> I I just think that Matt Damon could elevate Matt Damon could elevate a cereal box. I mean, he's just <laughs> so good at what he does. And Scarlett Johansson is amazing. I mean, I, I love seeing her out of her Black Widow um, role as often as I can. I mean, everything that she does, I think is really, really fantastic. Um, and for people that haven't maybe even seen her outside of Black Widow, I invite people to watch her in anything. Jojo Rabbit's my favorite thing that she's ever done. Um, but hang on. <laughs> An itch that I couldn't get to. Um, but this was so good. I love all the animals. I love the family story. I love that little girl, Josie. Oh my gosh. I love her so much. I just wanted to pick her up and squeeze Rosie? her most. Of- Josie. Rosie. Rosie. Yeah. His daughter's name is Rosie. Okay. Yeah. Well, she was adorable. She was <laughs> adorable. And it had all of those touches that Cameron Crowe likes to put in his movies. You know, it's got that heart in it. It's, it's very, um, dialogue driven. It pulls at your heartstrings. He loves a good true story. Um, I thought that he did. I just thought that the movie was really, really well done. And it has um, Robert LeBruce, I think. Isn't he Robert LeBruce from uh, Braveheart? Yeah, I guess McFadden. Yes. um, McFadden? I think it's Fadden. McFadden. Okay. He's great. Yeah, P- as McCready. Um, yeah, McCready is one of my favorite characters, especially the whole interactions with him and Ferris. Like his hatred for Walter I'll kill Ferris. him. Yeah. <laughs> I'll kill him. When he when he when Walter Ferris visits the first time for the surprise inspection, and he's driving off, and and McCready just is running down the road. Well, because like, they they, they stuffed him in a closet yeah. the whole time. They're like, no, you got to keep him stuffed in a closet. <laughs> And I love I love that scene because it's two guys holding one guy in. As you can see, he's obviously pounding on the door. He's like, mm-hmm. and they're like, I don't know. The lock just doesn't seem to be working. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do like, you know, at the end with uh, when they had the final inspection and the uh, the lion enclosure was broken. And so they're trying so yeah. hard to get it to lock again. And uh, and. Kelly Foster, who is who 
is played by uh, Scarlett Johansson is like, it's like, Hey, Solomon, Solomon, <laughs> pay attention to me. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy. And I, um, I love how the very end of that scene too, it just becomes McCready just turns and he points at Solomon. He's like, you don't want me. I'm just fat and whiskey. And, and then you see Solomon start licking his lips. It's like, <laughs> He's mm. like, I could do that. That yeah. sounds pretty good to me. Um, yeah, I mean, aside from the zoo, of aside from that, the beautiful, beautiful um, crew that he kind that the um, me family was it me Benjamin me, me? yeah that yep. the me family kind of inherited the story of that family that broken family just and and the desperation that. Benjamin felt to fix his family and to fix himself and to really, um, you know, find their path after, after, um, their mom died or after his wife died. Um, I just thought it was a really, really beautiful story. Um, cause it was really, he had no relationship with his son, Dylan at all. And it became more of, more of Benjamin's desire to just keep Rosie happy to, mm. to keep her wonder, to keep her spirit. And, and I loved that. My favorite scene, I, my two favorite scenes, um, kind of go hand in hand with each other. And it's all, it's Benjamin and Dylan, Benjamin and Dylan. Can and they're, I, I, I want to predict one of them. Cause yeah. it might be one of my favorite scenes too. Is it when they finally go to blows when they finally fight, at the top the, of the stairs. At the top of the stairs. Yeah. Oof. You can feel it. That that and and that's Matt Damon, right? That is Matt Damon. That is all Matt Damon. Because no, I don't. I don't. I don't. I think Colin. I think the actor no, that played Dylan was. But what I'm saying is, is that that kid got a master class in an oh, yeah. actor with that scene. He probably learned more as an actor with that scene with Matt Damon than he probably ever will in his whole career. That's what I'm saying. Like he, the okay. kid, of, of course, is a great actor. But to be able to play off of Matt Damon and and for Matt Damon to be such a trusting working partner to get this kid to completely lay it all out, I mean, that was an intense scene. It was beautiful. And then right after that scene, when he come when Dylan comes in and sits with his dad as they're trying to make a decision about Spar, the tiger, I was crying during that yeah. scene crying during I was, that scene. And I was very glad that like, you, like, you, you know, the decision has to be made. Like you're, you're kind of with Kelly and the rest of the team. Like, like you, you know what needs to be done. You should do it. And you don't see the pain involved in it. Cause the next time you see spar it's in Memorial. That was such a good call. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, D Dave said that at the end after the movie, he goes, he goes, that was such a good decision not to show Spar dying. Yeah. <laughs> like just, yeah. okay, here's his memorial. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. But the other scene that I love too with <clears throat> Benjamin and Dylan is after that fight, because that fight is such an intense scene. And you're right. Like that is a masterclass from Matt Damon about, you know, how to act in, in that particular scene. And it, it's so good because the arguments that both characters are making, I'm like, I don't know who's more wrong here. I, they're both I, right and they're both wrong. Yeah, like they're both, you can tell in that scene, they're both trying, but they're both making mistakes. They're like, both trying to be heard, 
but they're not listening to each other. Yeah. Oh, that's a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. So, and that's family, right? I mean, that happens in our house. That's happened in our house a few times, right? Mm. I mean, my kids are getting to be that age that Dylan is, right? In, In the movie. So we've had big arguments in our house. And a lot of times that that's exactly the problem, you know, is that there's big feelings. Like Dylan is at an age where he has nothing but big feelings and his mother died six months prior. Um, So you just kind of sit there and you're like, well, of course you need to listen to your son. You know, yeah, he's drawing decapitated heads, but maybe it's because, you know, he kind of needs his dad right now because he's feeling a little lost. And so buying that zoo was the best decision that he could have made. And on and on the same note too, like even earlier in the movie when Dylan says like, "Oh, nobody, no teacher is going to give an F to a kid whose mother just died six months ago," and then you get to the moment where he's finally expelled from school, and the and the principal is like, "Look, we're a three strike school, and this is his fourth strike." Right. It's like you can only take advantage of the situation for so long before that's going to wear out, and that's what Dylan does. Well, when we had that, you know, I, I experienced that last year um, at my job was that, you know, we had kids that lost their dad or lost their mom and they just checked out and, you know, um, they got into some pretty serious trouble and one of them did get expelled from school and it just, it, it was a safety issue. And mm. so you don't want to do it, but you have to think of you have to think of the entire student body at, at one point. Yeah. So I do understand that. Um, but I really, really loved, loved that movie. I loved how much heart it had. I loved all the animals. I thought the animals were great. It made, like, it. Dave and I have such wanderlust in our hearts. You know, we, you know us. We were a traveling family for a while. We've mm-hmm. always kind of moved around. And at the end, he's just like, man, we could have bought a zoo. I'm like, yeah, we could have bought a zoo. <laughs> so uh, the other scene that I was going to mention earlier with with Matt, D- with Benjamin and Dylan, um, one of my other favorite scenes in that movie is as they're getting closer to the zoo, getting ready to open, and Benjamin shows Dylan the the poster, and it's Dylan's drawing yes. of the tiger. Yeah. And just the smile that comes to, oh, I'm getting choked up now. And he's like, I'm your biggest fan. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan, man. And he's, I'm like, man, um, like I, I loved that. And then my other, so talking about like the wonderlust and when you sit there and you realize like how cool it would probably be like, yes, it's a lot of work, but how cool it would be to own that. There's that scene right after they move in, but they know it's a zoo and everything where, Benjamin just walks out and he's standing on the porch at night and you hear all the animals yeah. in the zoo. You hear like the peacocks and like every, all the animals. And you're like, he's basically living in a jungle outside of LA. Awesome. Like how cool. Amazing. Except there was no elephant. I really was hoping for an elephant. Well, I love, I love at the end of the movie when they tell you the actual story and it says next year they're planning on getting giraffes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that was such like a nice little. Tw- I mean, they, and you realize the movies from 2011, it's from over 10 yeah. years ago. So they've had these animals for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will tell you, one of my other favorite scenes is actually the final scene in the movie when he takes his kids to the coffee shop where he met Catherine, where he mm-hmm. met their mom. 
And then they, they, and then they like kind of see their mom and they're yeah. like, hi. Oh, okay. Well, because now, there see, was that, now there my was that, tears are going. <laughs> because you. there was that scene earlier with him and Rosie where he's like, you can't really see her anymore either. And she's like, no, I, I can't see her. And then they see her again when he describes where they met and how they met. And he's, well, and he's, he's telling it, stories again. He's, he's telling, telling story. stories again. Yeah. Exactly. That's the best part is that, you know, he lost because you see in the beginning of the movie that he is a thrill seeker. He is a he's an um, an outdoor journalist, I guess. Right. He he was a very successful journalist that went on a lot of different trips and had a lot of different adventures. And that all kind of had to stop um, once his wife died. And yeah. so. I love it that, you know, he even said, I was always looking at someone else's adventures. I was observing their adventures and, and acting like they were my adventures. But this, this right here, this experience, this zoo, this is my adventure. This is our adventure. And I thought that that was a really beautiful uh, speech that, and then he fired that woman, which was Dude, great. That, that scene when he's like, Rhonda, cause she was turning everybody against she him. She turned everybody against him. And he's like, uh, have fun in Mexico. Adios. <laughs> I was like, yes. Goodbye. No, he said, have fun in Mexico. And she said, I don't know Spanish. She said, adios. <laughs> adios. <laughs> <laughs> and that was such a good decision, right? Like he's yeah. like, you know, you can't, you can't save everybody. And he's trying to save a zoo, save, a, save a staff, save his family. I'm sorry. I can't have a snake in the hen house. You got to go. Yeah. Or a fox in the hen house. A fox in the hen house. I know what you meant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't like getting idioms wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I really, really, really loved, loved that movie, and I want to watch it again. I want, I, I want like a TV show version of it. You know what I mean? But mm. I want Matt Damon to do it. So I'm, I'm so glad that you like this movie because, like, I, I had a feeling you would, which I is why I, which is why I gave it that, to you. where they don't die. Yeah, that's one or of the main not reasons. Tortured. That's one of the main reasons I gave this one to you. I was like, she has such a bad taste in her mouth from Guardians Three. I'm like, uh, I give her something with animals that like will actually like is heartwarming me. And, yeah. and uplifting. Yeah. Oh my so. gosh, Guardians Three. I can't even. I can't even think about that movie without well, crying. Don't. You brought it up. Sorry, you said it first you earlier. Did not. No, you. <laughs> You said it earlier when we were I talking about Chris Pratt. You you said it earlier because you said I don't know. I you said something other than Guardians, and I said, "Oh, I can't think about you." You said Guardians. Oh, okay. First. I said it first. You're right. Damn, I'm wrong twice in this podcast. I know. Well, in you know episode. what? I don't. It's like not it. new. It's not new information. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah. I mean, I really, 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 and and you know when he fired the lady. Rhonda. That left room for his brother to come on as the accountant, as the money guy. Yeah. And that became a total I, family affair when he brought I, all the fish. I for love the when bear. his brother shows up with the haddock. Yeah. It's like, it, it was such a great moment. Um, and the, the whole scene in the bar, too, when he's getting ready, like right before he fires Rhonda, when he's getting ready, when he's giving that speech oh, and yeah. he's getting ready to say, like, the money came in, his brother in that scene is like, Wait, wait a minute. Like this, yeah, is not this wasn't our plan. <laughs> but then Tom, his brother yeah. understands at the end, you know, he's like, I get it. You know, I totally yeah. get it. Yeah. Thomas Hayden Church is great in this movie. Um, yeah. Angus McFadden is great. John Michael Higgins is fantastic in this movie as Walter Ferris. 
um he's such he's such a dick but like you, yeah, you he's actually, such a jerk in the movie yeah. but i like it that Ro- that rosie i the whole time i'm like you better bring rosie with you on this you can't you can't be mean to this little girl and when she's like on the she's she goes with them i'm like haha yeah. that's good that's going to be their secret weapon and then at the very end she goes hey everybody says that you're a dick <laughs> i don't believe that i don't believe I don't that, believe that. <laughs> And they get the permit, which is fantastic. And you could tell he was about to say denied until she said that. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of softens his heart a little bit that this little girl called him out on because kids tell the truth. Yes, they do. So if this little girl is saying you're a dick, I'm 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 probably a dick. Yeah. So yeah, it Rosie softens his heart a little bit. Um, Rosie softens everybody's heart. She's so cute. Yeah. I do. I'd buy a zoo for her too. <laughs> I do everything I can to give her a zoo. <laughs> She's so cute. Um, yeah. The, the 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 only character I would say maybe graded on me a little bit um, was Lily, which is Elle Fanning's character. Well, she didn't really make any sense to me. Did she live by herself as a fourteen-year-old girl? Uh, that see, I didn't understand that either. I know she lived on the premises, but um, she seemed I, I, to live above the restaurant. No, she was on the ground floor because remember, Dylan goes to her window. Oh, that's right. So, so but I, I, I don't know. Yeah, it was a weird. It was a weird. Every single time, I liked it when she kept bringing Dylan sandwiches. I thought that was really cute. But then there was like this weird like fight between them and like this little drama or whatever. Maybe it was for like teenage viewers or something. I'm not really sure. But yeah, I, I agree. It was a weird – because you never really saw – because Lily was Kelly's niece. Is that – okay. But yeah. Kelly went home to live with her mom and Lily stayed – at the zoo and lived there. That didn't make any sense to me. Well, I mean, and the other thing about Kelly too, that I really enjoyed is like, she very quickly stepped in. She didn't try to become their mother, but she stepped in as a caretaker for the kids. Like the nights when Benjamin drove off and he didn't, he wasn't back till late. She was there and she took care of the kids. And you, you kind of come to the realization as an adult that you're like, okay, very, it's probably not too long after this movie ends that she's eventually living in that house. Well, I mean, even if she wasn't, though, he needed somebody to talk to. Yeah. Not that scene that they had out front, you know, the night that she did order them pizza, put them in bed, whatever, you know, and she was there until he showed back up. Um, He needed somebody to talk to. Mm -hmm. And I think she needed to know him better to understand, you know, kind of like what their story was. Who knows how much of the, because you never really hear him tell the story of why they're even there. You just kind of assume that everybody knows, especially at the end when he's like, you know, um, my wife, whose name I totally. Catherine. Catherine. He's like, Catherine would have, you know, loved this or something like that, or it's about the people. But um, yeah, we really, gosh, we really loved this movie. It was a really good movie. We all tears in our eyes at one point. Yay. And, Not that you uh, had tears, but yay that you enjoyed it. Yeah. And uh, we all said, like, what's our favorite so far? Because we all recounted the movies so far. And uh, We Bought a Zoo was the favorite so far. Yay. Yeah, it was I'm a good so movie. I'm so happy about that. Yeah, it was a good I, movie. I, again, I love this movie. Like, I 
We Bought a Zoo is probably it's in my top five favorite Matt Damon movies. Spoiler for when I do the top five favorite Matt Damon episode um, of the podcast, but it is you will hear it is in my top five. Absolutely, it's very good. I really, really enjoyed it for sure. Uh, so that brings us then to our homework assignments for the next episode. Your homework assignment the is the movie that I was going to give you last week before <laughs> before I saw that it was Tomorrow War. I just I still can't even. I'm my, so glad that you've seen it. My homework assignment for you is also the one I was planning on giving you last week. Okay, good. Until we started talking about Oppenheimer and Matt Damon, and then I thought about We Bought a Zoo. Um. So, okay. Do you want me to go first? Yeah. I have so I have backups because I'm not sure if you've seen this movie or not. Um, mm -hmm. My homework for you this week is just a stupid comedy that I love. I'm such a fan of this movie. I can if I'm it's one of those comedies that if I'm flipping through the channels and it's on, I will stop and watch it. Doesn't I matter can't wait. Which what one part is of it? the movie it is. It's a comedy with Kelsey Grammer called down periscope i've never seen it okay um i will not tell you i'm not going to give you premise or anything like that by the by the title alone you can probably guess maybe what it's about um, uh, a submarine it's about a submarine uh, so it is a military movie but it is a military comedy okay um now full disclosure i am not usually a kelsey Grammer fan so I, I'll give you a couple other cast members just to kind of kind of maybe tease you a little bit. Um, Kelsey Grammer, Lauren Holly, Rob Schneider, uh, Rip Torn, Harlan Williams, and um, why is he not listed in the damn top of the cast? I, I don't know why. Uh, William H. Macy is also okay. in the movie. Well, this is going to be a very silly movie. It is a very silly movie. Harlan Williams um, guarantees it's going to be a silly movie. And his character is silly. very silly. It yeah. is PG-13. Um, there is no nudity. So you probably could watch this with the kids. Okay. They really like your, uh, your homework assignments. Well, I have a couple on the list that they very clearly cannot watch. Well, yeah. And eventually <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that point. But for right now, they're very excited. Yeah, so Didn't this Mr. one. Ben say this week. This one I think is one they they probably could watch. Okay. Um, I I think some of the subject material is probably why it's PG thirteen. Mm. Um, mainly because I will just you don't see it only because it is mentioned. This is a little bit of a spoiler, but it doesn't ruin the movie. This is just the subject material as to why it might be subject to kids. Kelsey Grammer's character is a character who is known to have a tattoo on his penis. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He has welcome aboard tattooed on his dick. Oh, dear God. Okay. <laughs> you never see it. It's just well, referenced. Of course, it would be R yeah. if you saw it. So you, you never, you, it's just referenced. So maybe that's why it could be okay. leaning more towards the PG-13. Oh, I'm giving you a different kind of movie. Oh, boy. <laughs> now it makes me want to say, well, should I just do a comedy? No, no, um, it's fine. It's totally okay. fine. So I'm giving you a movie that um, 
It was my favorite book that I read the year that I read it. My favorite, favorite, favorite book that I read the year that I read it. And I thought that they did a really good job with the movie. But it is just Ready Player One. No, it's Just Mercy with Michael B. Jordan and Brie Larson and Jamie Foxx. I've never seen. Yeah, I've never seen it. It'll make you want to read the book. Is this the one? Is this like the courtroom? Is is there like a courtroom scene in this? I can't. The the rules are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. (laughs) That's right. Rules are we don't tell each other about the penis tattoo. (laughs) I only told you that so that you could judge if the kids watch it. That's the only reason I told you that. Yeah, no Um, no worries. So it's really good. It's, you know, they did a really good job. The book is much better, much, much better, but that's how it always is. But they did a really, really good job with this movie. I'm really excited for you to watch it. Okay. Was this, is this on my list of unwatched? Yeah. Is this where you got it from? Okay. Yeah. See, I'm that, going off of your you list. A, yeah. You have a reference list. Yeah, I do. I, don't. I do. <laughs> yeah, but you don't take anything off. No, but they are, marked, seen it. they are marked as watched. Not. At least, oh, at least on my side, I, I can see no. which ones I've watched. Uh-uh. See, look. Yeah, but I haven't. Yeah, but click on Midnight in Midnight in Paris. Okay. Does it show it? Oh, see, it probably only shows it watched on your end. No, it doesn't. Oh, um, you know what? Maybe I'll go in then and take the movies out that I've watched. Maybe that's what you should do. Yeah. That'd be very smart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that one, um, that one, and I've got a couple, a couple more that I'm excited to. Uh, oh. I have, <clears throat> I have a whole, as of right now, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I have eight more, nine, nine more. And there's a number on here that I'm very excited for you to watch. One well, of them, I'm... one of them, the one that's at the top of the list is one that like, is like, we bought a zoo level. Like I'm excited for you to watch. Yay. Yeah, you, I've got one that I'd like for you to see that's not on this list, so we're going to see if you've seen it or not. Yeah, I have a couple in here that I'm not sure if you've seen or not. Um, but, I have, but you know, I have backups. So if I mention one that you've seen, then I can go to another one. Perfect. It's going to happen eventually that we're yeah. going to mention one that we've seen. I'm just really glad that you finally watched The Tomorrow War. <laughs> I'm still you, like... You said that with Dune. You said that with In the Heights. <sighs> I know. Well, they're all movies that you need to see. Yeah. Well, that's the point of this podcast. I think so. So um, on that note, as we begin to wrap things up, uh, we have our homework assignments for next week. Um, So Down Periscope and Just Mercy are the two movies that we're going to discuss next week. (laughs) Two totally Um, different movies. Oh, God, they're two totally different movies. Um, Be sure to check out all the other episodes of Wilhelm as as we go forward. We have, what do we have coming up on Wilhelm? Um, The recording of my panel with Peter Cullen, a.k.a. Optimus Prime, is coming up. That was from Fan Expo a couple months ago. Uh, Jason from Podcastica is going to be joining me. We're going to do top five favorite Robin Williams movies. That's going to release on Friday, October, uh, October, uh, August 11th, which is the anniversary of his passing. Um, yeah, and we, I got other stuff too. 
I got a bunch of other stuff coming up on my home. And then on Revisited, which you and I do together, we are almost done with Lost. We have about six more weeks of Lost uh, before we jump into Ted Lasso, which we just announced this past week. Yes. Very excited about that, too. Very excited. Uh, WilhelmPodcast.com is where you can go to find all the information on the podcast. And uh, we want to hear from you. What were your thoughts on We Bought a Zoo? And the Tomorrow War, what are your thoughts on Just Mercy and Down Periscope? Uh, let us know. Reach out, either an email or voicemail, by emailing feedback at wilhelmpodcast.com. And if you want to check out Revisited, that's revisitedpod.com as well. Yeah, do that. Uh, I think that's it. That's it. That's it. There's no one. more. Yeah. There's no more. You're still here? I- Go home. <laughs> Go home. <laughs> What are you doing? There's no extra scenes at the end. There's there's no. I actually stayed till the end of Tomorrow War to see if maybe they were going to tease something and they didn't. No. Like, in, like That's what Dave survived. always looks it up when we're in the theater. He just looks up if there's extra scenes in a there movie. Is, there's a website you can use. It's called it's aftercredits.com. Ooh. I do that too. I If I'm sitting in a theater, I go to aftercredits.com. I look up the movie and it tells you whether or not there are mid-credit or post-credit. I love that. I'm going to give that to him and he's going to just have that always up. Always bookmarked <laughs> on his phone. So, uh, but that's it for another movie swap. I like movie swap instead of movie swap cast. I, I like movie you. swap too. Yeah, movie swap. The Wilhelm movie swap is just better. Yeah. It just works better. Uh, But that's it for another episode of Movie Swap. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you, Ben. Kristen and Ben talk about nothing. (laughs) Bye, guys. I'm going to get a pretzel. Pretzel. (laughs) 